If you have your Bibles, we are in Ephesians. We've been uh, going through the book of Ephesians uh, for, geez, three years now or so. We take breaks now and then. Uh, <laughs> we've been on verse 18 for about a month and a half. We're going to finally work our way into verse 19. Today we've been talking a lot about the Holy Spirit, and uh, today we get to talk about the Holy Spirit and singing. That's what our, our text talks about. Now let me read our text. Uh, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, or ruins your life is the idea of that word. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you might, by your Spirit, speak into our hearts this morning uh, through this text. Uh, God, we want to know you deeper. We want to have a closer relationship with you. We want to be more empowered by your Spirit. And so, God, I pray that your Spirit uh, would work to that end. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, so our text... uh, well, it's probably over in a month ago we started it on this, but uh, it talks about not getting drunk on wine, but being filled by the Holy Spirit. And we uh, went through the Bible, looked at uh, how the Bible speaks about alcohol, and we see that God uh, gave alcohol as a gift for community and celebration. And, uh, and yet, sadly, we often use alcohol to escape from life rather than add to life, which was God's purpose. And uh, sometimes, because life is so difficult... Uh, we can use alcohol to escape life. But instead of using alcohol to escape life, uh, Paul is saying be filled with the Spirit because the Spirit empowers us for life. And often those things that we want to run from through the Holy Spirit, we can find victory and strength and joy uh, through the Holy Spirit through those things. And we spent uh, well over a month talking about being filled with the Spirit and how this is something we need to continually do, uh, seek to be filled, empowered, Uh, just surrendered anything in our life that is quenching the Spirit, we want to put that away so that we might be filled to the full of the Holy Spirit, that we might be overflowing with the Spirit. And the reason we need the Holy Spirit, as we've uh, talked about, is is because the Holy Spirit gives us power, Uh, power for life, power for witness. Uh, This is a promise that that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I don't know about you, but there are a lot of things in my life that I feel powerless over. And we need supernatural power in our lives, in our relationships, in our witness, at work, at school, as we try to advance the kingdom. And this is why the gift of the Holy Spirit was given to empower us. The Holy Spirit also gives us fruit for relationships. Uh, we can try so hard sometimes to make our relationships work well, but what we need more than anything is the fruit of the Spirit. And this is the fruit of being filled with the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, uh, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These, this is the recipe for an awesome marriage. Uh, this is the recipe for an awesome friendship. Uh, this is the recipe that we need that, to love each other well. And this doesn't come through striving and, and working through our own efforts. This comes through the filling of the Holy Spirit. And so let us continually seek uh, deeper empowering of the Spirit each and every day. Uh, that if there is anything in our life keeping us from a deeper walk with God, let's get rid of that so we might have all that He has for us. And then our text goes on, and it's interesting 
that the first thing he mentions after being filled with the Spirit is, uh, is, is singing. This is the same thought. It's not maybe what we, we might think of a lot of other things that are the first result of being filled with the Spirit. But Paul in this context says one of the first results is, is singing. One thing that flows out of being filled with the Spirit, being empowered with the Spirit, is singing. And this is what he goes on to say. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, and this is the result, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. And uh, singing is important. Uh, and you've come to church here, we spend quite a bit of time singing. And there's not a lot of places that we sing in this culture anymore. It used to be before TV and Netflix and all those things that families would get together around the piano and sing and it was more part of our culture. Singing is not as much part of our culture unless you go to karaoke night at the bar or something like that uh, or sing in your bathtub or maybe on your way to work. But communal singing doesn't happen a lot. It, but it's important in the Christian faith and it has always been important uh, in the Christian faith. We see here... Interesting enough that singing actually has two audiences. A lot of times we think we gather here that we're only singing to God. Uh, that's, that's not fully true. We're actually singing to each other and we're singing to God. This is what Paul says in this, in this text. Speaking to one another, and that word basically means a verbal utterance. And, and the way this uh, verbal communication is it's through singing. That's what he's talking about, singing. So we're singing or speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. And then he says, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. So we sing to each other and we sing to God. Uh, there are uh, uh, times in our worship where our lyrics are actually directly focused on God. We use words like you or uh, uh, those kind of pronouns that are directly pointed to God. We're singing to God. We may say his name, Jesus. There are other times when the, the phraseology of a song is actually more towards each other. And what we're doing is singing about God. And what we're doing is encouraging one another. We're sharing and reminding each other who God is and what He is like. We're singing to our own spirits. And because sometimes we walk in here and we've been defeated by the weak. And then we start singing, our God is stronger and He, he can do anything. And it's just and we're speaking to our spirits and we're building ourselves up so that we might go out this next week. We see this in a lot of different songs. Uh, Great Are You, Lord, is a song we do here. Here's a song that we're singing to God. Uh, as the words go, you give, you give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. This is singing to God. Uh, Mighty to Save is a song. It's not singing directly to God. This is more something we're singing about God. Uh, that we're speak, singing to our spirits, we're singing to each other, we're, we're singing in God's presence, obviously. Uh, Savior, He can move the mountains. I mean, if we were singing to God, we'd say, Savior, You can move the mountains. But it's He can move the mountains. Uh, my God is mighty to save. If it was singing to God, we'd say, God, You are mighty to save. But it's my God, He is mighty. This is a testimony that we are singing to one another. My God is mighty to save because maybe you're here this week and, and again, you've just had a hard week and you've, you've, you've failed in some aspect and, and you think that maybe you can't be forgiven and, and someone else is singing, my God is mighty to save and it reminds you, God can save you. God can forgive you. Uh, we're testifying to one another for uh, ever author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. A lot of worship songs 
actually fit very well to this passage in Ephesians. They actually have elements in one song where we sing to each other and elements where we sing to God. Uh, for instance, uh, God With Us is a song we do as well here. First part, singing to God. Second part, we are encouraging one another. We're singing to our spirits. We're singing in the presence of God. So the first part, uh, you singing to God are matchless in grace and mercy. There is nowhere we can hide from your love. You are steadfast, never failing. You are faithful. All creation is in awe of who you are. And this next part is, is more in a sense we're singing to each other. Uh, God with us, God for us, nothing can come against. No one can stand between us. God with us, God for us, nothing can come against. No one can stand between us. And, and, and we're singing this to one another. We're singing this to our spirits in the presence of God. And this is biblical worship. It's not only directed at God, but also we sing to one another. Uh, everlasting God is another one where we see both elements. The first part is is in a sense sung to one another. The second part is sung to God. Uh, strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Um, uh, we, we will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We as corporate, we're gonna wait upon God. Let's encourage one another to wait on God because he is good. Uh, we will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Our God, you reign forever. Our hope and strong deliverer. And then we turn our attention as, we're, as we remind each other, let's wait on God. We uh, turn our attention to the God of the universe. You are the everlasting God, the everlasting God. You do not faint. You won't grow weary. You're the defender of the weak. You comfort those in need. You lift us up on wings like eagles. And so as we sing, it's important that we're, we remember that we are singing to God in the presence of God, but there are times when we are singing lyrics that we ourselves need to hear. We're singing to our spirits. We're encouraging one another with these words. And so uh, singing, again, is something important to the church. It's important to God. Here we actually see it's, it's set up in terms of a command. Uh, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. It's not like you can decide if you want to do this or not. I mean, this is Paul saying sing and make music from your heart. Again, we need to make sure we are worshiping God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's not just our intellect, but we want to be worshiping, as Lyle was talking about, from, from our hearts. This is a relationship with God. And the more we can sing from our heart, as this verse says, the more it makes our relationship real. And so uh, we are to sing from our heart. And all over the Bible, there are commands to sing. Uh, Psalm 5. But let all who take refuge in you be glad let them ever sing for joy. Uh, sing for joy in the Lord, O you righteous ones. Praise is becoming to the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with lyre. Sing praises to him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. And, and uh, it mentions a new song here. So why we bring new songs in every once in a while. Uh, because if we had, you know, in a marriage, if you gave your spouse the same love note every single day for your entire life it might get boring she like i'd like a new love note it's important that we keep things fresh and so there are times we bring in new songs oh come let us sing for joy to the lord uh, sing to the lord a new song sing to the lord all the earth sing to the lord bless his name oh sing to the lord a new song for he has done wonderful things come before him with joyful singing 
praise the Lord for He is good to sing praises to our God. For it is pleasant and praise is becoming. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. And His praise in the congregation of the godly ones. And so we go on and on. But all these, these, these uh, commands that God is encouraging us to sing. And not just sing, but to sing joyfully and to sing uh, with, with our body involved. And we've talked about that before, how it often talks about lifting hands and lifting your head. And, and again, if, if we give God our whole being, that means we involve all of our being physically as well. And we notice in here there's a lot on actually uh, singing joyfully. And it's important that we try to sing joyfully because this is what God's kingdom is about. Uh, Romans 14 For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, uh, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. God's kingdom is a kingdom of joy. And this is why there's a lot of commands that say sing joyfully to God. And you may not feel joy when you walk in here. I mean, again, maybe you've had a difficult week or uh, things aren't going well in your relationships and you feel down. But this is where we need to fix our mind and what is to come. Uh, Joy is coming your way. No matter how horrible things get on this planet, joy is coming your way in Jesus. There is coming a time where there is no more sorrow, there's going to be no more tears, there is no more suffering, there's no more bad phone calls, there's no more bad news from the doctor. It is only pure joy because in Psalm 1611, it says, in your presence there is fullness of joy. And of course, that is not just a promise for the future, but Jesus also told us in John 15, that he has come to make our joy even now complete. He's going to give us his joy. And this is sometimes where we just need to enter into the joy of the Lord because God is here. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. There is the joy of God here if you would just open your heart up. And one of the ways we do that is we choose to sing. And it allows the joy of the Lord to enter into our hearts. So it says here that there are different things we sing. We sing psalms, uh, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. And there's a difference between all these. Uh, uh, Psalms are basically uh, the Old Testament psalms. There's 150 of them. This was, in essence, for a lot of the early church, their their hymn book, their their song book. Uh, They would sing the the psalms. A lot of them, if you read through, and even in Jewish culture, they were were always sung. It was very much a singing culture. And so Paul is encouraging uh, the church to sing the psalms. And, and we do from time to time. We stick them in songs. Like Danielle's song here, You Are Yahweh, which we sang this morning, has a psalm in it. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. And so Paul's saying, I want you to be singing to one another and to God the psalms. And then he says hymns. And hymn uh, is not just a Christian term in Greek culture, it was, it was a song to any hero or to any god. And Christians uh, took hymns and wrote them to Jesus. And people sang hymns in the scriptures. We see Jesus and his disciples sang a hymn in Matthew 26. Acts 16, Paul and Silas were singing hymns. These are songs that are not psalms, but were composed by people who love Jesus. Those would be similar to most of the songs we do today would fit into the the category of hymns. They were composed by people. And some of those hymns, a lot of scholars actually believe have become part of Scripture. Uh, Here are some of the early church hymns that we actually find in Scripture. Uh, Colossians 1, 1, this was one of their worship songs. 
as they gathered on Sunday morning. Uh, the sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things are created, things in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have supremacy. For God is pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Now, I don't know the tune to it, but that was one of the songs they, they sang, and it's in Scripture. There's a few others. Uh, scholars sing this was one of their hymns in 1 Timothy 3. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. And then one more we find in Philippians, a familiar passage. This is, again, one of their songs. Uh, Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used uh, to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Sounds like a pretty cool song. Yeah. Uh, and, and so they sang hymns, just as we sing uh, hymns and psalms. And then he mentions uh, songs from the Spirit. They were singing to one another and to God, hymns, uh, psalms, and songs from the Spirit. Other translations will have spiritual songs or songs inspired by the Spirit. And these are basically, uh, it's the time during our worship service where the words stop on the screen and the music is still playing and we get to sing our own songs. Uh, we get to give our own prayers. We get to give our own thoughts to God. And this is important. Uh, we did that even today. We had a moment where just Danielle and the band is playing and there was no words on the screen. And sometimes, you know, maybe if you're new, you don't know what to do. You're kind of like, well, what is this? There's no, nothing to sing. And you kind of check out. Don't check out. This is your opportunity to say your own thing to Jesus. Uh, just picture a marriage or a relationship. I mean, it's one thing to write a note to your wife or something. Uh, and maybe the only way, let's say, you communicated with your wife was you looked something up on Google and printed it off and read it to your wife every day. And something that was pre-composed and already written, and that's what you read to your wife. Your wife or husband or, you know, girlfriend or whatever would say, I just want to hear your own words. And we need that in worship. Because the whole time we're reading stuff that's already composed by someone else. We're singing it to Jesus. But there needs to be a time where God's saying, I want to hear you in your own words. I, I want to hear your own thoughts. I want to hear your own prayers. I want you to, to, to sing a song from the Spirit who is at work. And those times are very important during worship, some of the most important times. And so don't check out, keep praying. Even between songs, I, I never, I try to just keep focused. I'll just close my eyes between the song and just keep praying and keep, because that's my time. Whenever the band's not singing, there's no words on there. That's your time to sing a spiritual song. This is what, uh, Dr. Sam Storm says about uh, spiritual songs from the text. Spiritual songs are most likely 
unrehearsed and improvised, perhaps short melodies or choruses, extolling the beauty of Christ. They aren't prepared in advance, but are prompted by the Spirit and are thus uniquely and especially appropriate to the occasion or the emphasis of the moment. These are probably songs that we sing under the immediate prompting and and infilling of the Holy Spirit. Paul probably has in mind spontaneous songs that break out unexpectedly in the midst of our worship. Paul seems to envision a singing in which the individual is given freedom to vocalize his or her own passions, prayers, and declarations of praise. And so this is a part of a, a, part of a worship song. We do hymns and, and, and songs that are already com- composed by someone else, but there needs to be a time where we hear Jesus hears your own words. Or you can just offer your own thanks. Where you say, Jesus, I thank you this week for this and that. I thank you because you were good and you stepped in and, or whatever it might be. And so moments between songs, moments where the band isn't singing, there's no words on those, don't, don't check out, but check in. Check into a relationship with Jesus in those moments. Now, what if you feel, don't feel like singing? Because, I mean, this, this text says, sing and make music. And all the Bible, there's commands to sing. And I don't know about you, but there are times when I come in, I was like, I don't know if I feel like singing. You know, stayed up too late or, uh, uh, you know, uh, I had a bummer of a week or whatever it might be. And you, you might come in here and just don't feel like singing. What do you do if you really don't feel like singing? There are a number of things you can do. Uh, first of all, it may be that you have come to stay and the only thing you actually need is just to receive. Uh, sometimes we get in this mode in our Western culture where we always have to do, 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 do. I have to be singing, I have to be praying, I have to be doing something. We have a hard time just receiving sometimes. There isn't times in worship where you just need to receive God's love. Uh, this is why we sing to one another. Because maybe you don't feel like singing and you need to receive, but everybody else is singing and you're just closing your eyes and you're just receiving those words. My God is greater. My God is stronger. Everyone needs a Savior or whatever. And you're just absorbing those words and you're letting God love you. It's important that you learn to just let God love you. You don't always have to be doing. So it may be that you come and you just need to receive. But it may be that you uh, actually just need to give a sacrifice of praise. Uh, the Bible tells us on the other hand, that there are times where we give a sacrifice of praise. Hebrews 13, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that openly profess His name. And if you profess Jesus, then there are times when you don't want to sing, but you give a sacrifice of praise. And the word uh, behind sacrifice, is means, it means it costs you something. Uh, a sacrifice is something that costs you something. And there are times when you may walk in, you're just, I don't feel like singing, but I know, Jesus, you are so worthy, and I'm going to give you a sacrifice of praise. I'm going to, to my own cost, I'm going to worship you. And that's beautiful in his eyes, to give him a sacrifice of praise. So maybe you need to receive. It's going to be quiet. And maybe that you need to give a sacrifice of praise. Uh, it may be that you're just being selfish. Uh, part of worship is actually helping us to learn to be selfless. And I love this quote, and I've used it lots here. Uh, Eugene Peterson, worship is the strategy by which we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves and attend to the presence of God. Uh, We live in a culture where we're quite selfish a lot. Time's about me, I get to watch what my shows are, and I want to do this, and it's all about me, 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 me. Worship comes in here, and sometimes where I don't want to sing can be, well, it's because it's about me. 
I don't feel like singing. I just want to sit here because I'm being rebellious or whatever it might be. Sometimes we need to learn to be other-centered. And when you come in here and you don't feel like singing and you just give a sacrifice of praise, you're actually training yourself to be other-centered, which we as Jesus followers are to be, lovers of Jesus and lovers of people, uh, considering others' needs above our own, Paul says in Philippians 2. So part of worship is actually helping us to learn to actually take our attention off ourselves for once, and I'm just going to put it on Jesus. And there is something so beautiful that happens when, when you do that. Because there's a promise in the Bible, and it says this in Deuteronomy 4. If you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. And James 4 similarly says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Or draw near to God and he will draw near to you. This is not like just some sort of hallmark card statement. This is a promise from God. This is a promise. And God is faithful to his promises. And so when you come in here and you might not feel like singing or you come in here and you do feel like singing and you say, I'm just going to worship you. I am going to draw near to you. There is a promise that when you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. And a lot of the times when we don't feel like singing, this is exactly what we need. We need God to step in and give us joy. We need God to step in and give us love. We need God to step in and remind us that we're forgiven. We need God to step in and give us supernatural power. And that doesn't happen unless we step into this promise, which is when we draw near to God, He will draw near to us. And so when we gather for worship, in a sense, we're, we're stepping into this promise of God. We've come to draw near to God, and I trust you, God, that when I sing with my heart and I put my whole being into this, I am drawing near to you, you're going to draw near to me. And I tell you, uh, I implement worship a lot just in my daily devotions. And, and when I just feel down, I can just put on a worship song and I try to enter it with my whole heart. There's something that changes. It's because this is a promise. When you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. Uh, singing is also important in revival and, uh, and the Spirit's power. We took three weeks on revival. But you know one thing you see about revival there's always a lot of singing. Again, because Paul says, be filled with the Spirit, and one of the first things is singing. And it's important, again, that we just keep entering into the joy of the Lord. And there's something about when we're singing that, again, as we draw near to God, God draws near to us, and things happen. I mean, I love this little story in 2 Kings. This is Elisha. Uh, the king wants him to give a word, and he's not getting a word, so this is what he says. Bring me a harpist. Get some tunes going. And while the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elisha and he said, this is what the Lord says. He actually heard God when there was music playing. And a lot of times it's during worship where God might give you a, a picture or a word or a phrase or a vision or something as God is speaking to you because God loves to use music. He's, he invented it. It's why he commands that we sing because God loves to move as we sing. Uh, I'm just going to finish with this story in 2 Chronicles. The story about the power of worship. How that when we choose to worship, it's interesting, when we draw near to Him, He draws near to us, and sometimes those battles we've been facing, we can actually find victory, not by striving, but by worshiping. And Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the uh, Munites, whatever those guys are, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, 
A vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. That is, uh, it is already in uh, Angedi, which is on the, the west side of the Dead Sea. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. And this is what they said, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And this is often can be the theme of your worship. You've come in here, you have some financial decision you need to make, you don't know what to do. You have some life decision you're trying to struggle through, you don't know what to do. You have a relationship difficulty, you're, you don't know how to fix it, and all you can say is, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And, and that's why you worship. You get your eyes on Jesus, get it off your problem, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to put my eyes on you. And often it's when we put our eyes on Him, it's when we hear the Holy Spirit speak, and all of a sudden that wisdom that we've been looking for just enters in, because wisdom is found in Jesus. And so they don't know what to do, but they, they, they put their eyes on him. Then the Spirit of the Lord uh, came on Jehazel, son of Zechariah, and all these other guys. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And tomorrow, march out against them. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Uh, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. So you notice what they're doing? They got a huge problem. They're worshiping. Man, if you have a huge problem, you, you worship. Now, Joseph bowed with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some of the Levite, uh, Levites from uh, the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left for the desert. Early in the morning, they left for the desert, and as they set out, uh, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah, and the people of Jerusalem, have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, and this is, they're actually singing a psalm here, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And as they began to sing and praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir and these, all these other guys, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Sire, they helped destroy one another. And so, so God steps in as they're worshiping, as they're drawing near to God. God draws near to them, and, and victory comes. And there are stories after stories after stories of people who have been struggling with things and they come in and they just set their heart to worship and God gives them the answer or God heals them or God does whatever he needs to do and victory comes not by might or strength but by his spirit. And this kind of stuff is not just from Old Testament but I've shared this story I think once last year of Sean Voigt. Sean Voigt is a worship leader 
missionary. He was on the front lines in Iraq uh, uh, in the refugee camps when ISIS, you know, ISIS is still there, but when ISIS was taking out town after town after town. And he's ministering to the people in the refugee camps and, and singing worship over them. And one day, a uh, Kurdish Peshmerga a soldier, like, because a lot of this is Muslims fighting Muslims, a Muslim general comes up to Sean Boyd and says, get your guitar, and a couple of guys were going to the front lines, I want you to sing. And so he's like, okay, and gets his stuff. And riding this armored vehicle towards the front lines, he, he asked this general, uh, you know we're Christians, right? And the general, this Muslim general said, yeah, we know you're Christians. And he's like, well, we, you know we uh, like sing about Jesus, right? And he's like, yeah, we know you sing about Jesus. He's like, you know that we, know, we think Jesus is the hope of Iraq, not Muhammad. He's like, yeah, we know that. And he asked him, so, so, so why do you want us to be there? And, and the guy says, uh, uh, I think I put it up here. This is what he said. Uh, Send your Christian musicians to sing on the front lines with us. We need them more than weapons or tanks. And, and he gets there, and uh, he begins to sing over the battle, and they're victorious. And this is what this uh, Muslim says. Send your Christian musicians to sing on the front lines with us. We need them more than weapons or tanks. And what's impressive about this is this Muslim general has more faith in the power of worship than a lot of Christians do. And a lot of Christians come in and it's like, oh, <laughs> songs, you know, let's just wait for the sermon because that's a good part. Or whatever, you know. There is power in worship. There is power when you say, I'm going to give God a sacrifice of praise. There is power when you come in and say, I don't feel like singing, but I'm just going to receive. There is power when you say, I want to draw near to God. And the promise is that he will draw near to you. Let's never, ever, ever take our times of singing lightly uh, when we gather together. So Father, we thank you uh, that you have given us this gift of song. And we thank you, God, that you use it whenever we sing from our heart, that you use it, God, to build our relationship with you. And God, there are people in this room who have had difficult weeks. I pray, God, as we close the service with communion and worship, that you would step in and bring victory. God, that you would bring healing. That you would bring deliverance. God, that you would give a word of wisdom where wisdom is needed. God, that you would step in and give power where power is needed. God, where we would give you praise for you are worthy. You are above all. You are amazing. You are good. In Jesus' name, amen.